Today I'm chatting with digital marketer, artist, coach, writer, and musician, Monica Strutt. How are you today, Monica? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. So on your website, you mentioned that your goal is to help businesses within the music industry, as well as emerging brands and musicians, establish themselves, find and build their audience, utilize their time and money effectively, and really be heard. So there is a significant cross-section between what you and I do, even in terms of the disciplines we're engaged in and the types of services we offer. So I'm glad you reached out, and I have no doubt we'll have a great conversation today. Yeah, definitely. So in your outreach email, you talked about the concept of social media reset. And this has to do with auditing your social media and strategize for release and tours. So let's get into that. What does this process look like? Um, I guess it, it starts with um, going through every aspect of your social media accounts with a fine-tooth comb and just seeing how you can tweak those. So that means everything from the quality of your photos to um, you know, the name of your accounts and also whether you're using um, your personal accounts effectively because I find that that's one thing that bands overlook. They're concentrating on... Um, on their band accounts but they're neglecting their personal accounts mm -hmm. and um, that is definitely one trick that um, I like to use when working with bands in order to reach more people. And we're definitely going to get into each of those things but I find it so funny and I think I even mentioned this on the podcast recently like how some artists I look at their YouTube videos for example and I see that they have like absolutely no relevant keywords in the title of their video which like totally <laughs> drives me nuts because they're sitting there going how come nobody's finding me I'm posting stuff all the time and I'm going like yeah but you actually need like a, rel a relevant description and a title and tags and all that kind of stuff and they're like oh I don't want to do that. So I think you know yeah. there, there could be an opportunity there, actually. Like if somebody was serious about, let's do a YouTube overhaul service for musicians, I think that could actually be big. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, YouTube is killing it right now. Um, it's just gone from strength to strength in the past few years. So um, it's kind of peaking at the moment. Um, so I'm really interested to see where it goes from here. But yeah, that could definitely be a thing. Yeah, like recent stats were showing that it's like just behind Facebook in terms of user numbers, which is crazy. Like people are going on yeah. about Instagram and I'm like, you have no idea. Like right now, I think the big news story is the fact that YouTube is beginning to be the biggest social network online. Absolutely. Well, it's basically, I mean, it's owned by Google, but it's basically a second Google, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You yeah. can search for all your video needs. So. <laughs> so you also mentioned that being consistent is one of the biggest struggles bands have and come to you looking for answers. I'm going to ask you what you suggest bands do, but first I just want to ask, how do you define consistency and how important is it? It's very important, especially when it comes to um, Instagram in particular. Hmm. Um, YouTube is a bit more forgiving, but um, uh, with the algorithm changes, if you're posting, say, uh, two times one week and then you don't post anything for another two weeks, um, your account actually gets penalized a little bit. Huh. Um, so it is very, very important because obviously the owners of Facebook and Instagram and, well, I mean, they're the same owner, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, these, these platforms want to have, um, have their users stay on the platform for as long as possible. So if you're a user that's not contributing to the platform and generating content and getting people to interact and stay on their platform, 
you're sort of ranked down in a way. Um, so if you're contributing often and posting often, and I would definitely suggest posting at least um, daily, well, daily um, until you get to, you know, thousands and thousands of followers and then you can increase that to twice or three times a day. Um, if you are posting daily, then, um, you know, the algorithms will see that you're a valuable contributor to that platform and um, they will show your posts to more people as a result. Hmm. Very interesting. Did not know that. And this is kind of tangential, but like how important do you see Instagram being for like a musician's digital rollout? Um, I personally think that Instagram is more important than Facebook um, at the moment. And that's just my personal opinion. I think Facebook's been around a long time, whereas Instagram's still in its growth phase. I mean, obviously you can reach more people through Facebook, but um, you really do need to be sponsoring posts in order to get that, especially if you're linking to external websites and sharing interviews um, and videos that may be hosted on YouTube. Um, Facebook doesn't like it when you show third-party um, third-party websites. Yes. So, um, you know, if, if you're going to be doing that, you need to be sponsoring the posts in order, um, in order to actually reach your audience. Whereas Instagram, it's still a little bit more organic. There are organic ways to still reach your audience. And I don't know, I just personally like Instagram because it's, it's a visual platform and um, I just think it's a lot more fun. But yeah, what you mentioned there is a little bit of an annoyance, isn't it? Because how else are we supposed to get people off the platform onto our website and then subscribing to our newsletter or buying our mm. music, right? Yeah, and I think a, a valuable tool of that, um, which is another reason why I like Instagram, is Instagram gives you the opportunity to show kind of the behind the scenes, and especially mm. Instagram stories um, is a really, really good way because it's not as curated as your main feed. Um, it's a really, really good way to actually start forming that personal connection with your followers, and um, you know, obviously, the more <laughs> the more you're showing your followers the behind the scenes and who you are as a person, they're more they're going to trust you and build that relationship. And that's when they're more likely to convert and, you know, maybe sign up to your mailing list or um, become a long-term fan. Gotcha. Okay. So that was a little bit of a tangent on Instagram, but (laughs) back on this topic of consistency, like I imagine one of those things is maintaining brand consistency across the different channels. So that's more recognizable for your fans. But what do you recommend bands do to maintain that consistency? Yeah, so definitely brand consistency is is another one apart from the actual um, amount of posts that you're doing. Um, so there are some really, really simple ways um, that bands can do that, whether it be having just a simple color that runs through all their photos just by using the same filter across all the photos. I mean, I still believe in, you know, in bands doing, um, you know, doing what they do and not having to stress too much about it. Um, but some of these things are really, really easy to implement and it just up levels, um, you know, your feed and, and the impression that you give people when they come to your pages because um, often you've only got a couple of seconds um, to win people over to click that follow button or to click that like button. Um, so that impression can be quite important in actually getting followers. You mentioned this earlier and I think I know exactly what you mean when you say that personal profiles are underrated when it comes to promoting your band. And part of that is I assume you mean that most bands just don't utilize their personal profiles on social media or they don't go about it the right way. So what do you see as being a possibility in this area? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of different things. I mean, first of all, um, you know, we also, before we even create our band pages, 
we've got maybe a couple of hundred friends on Facebook or even more um, if we've been, you know, in other bands in the past and networking and whatnot. Um, so these are all all people that we can convert over to our um, band's Facebook page. Um, but for a while, the com- you know, if, you know, we're going to have more actual Facebook friends on our personal profiles than the amount of likes on our Facebook page, if that makes sense. So every single thing that we're posting on our band's Facebook page should be shared on our personal Facebook pages in order to reach yeah. the maximum amount of people. But it's not only that. What I what happens is it's not only you know the logistical side of <laughs> reaching more people, but um, I find it's often a mindset thing. So. Um, when I when I'm checking out bands and you know I, I want to follow the drummer or the singer or whatever and their personal Instagram profiles are on private, um, it's kind of discouraging. And I would have thought that if you're choosing to be in the music industry, you're wanting to be a public figure, and therefore um, that mindset of of um, reaching that next level just isn't there. Um, so it can be sort of a, a mental barrier I find, um, when the pages are on private and, um, and yeah, I just find that really interesting. It really is, you know, and I've done a few marketing campaigns, so I know that this can sometimes be an issue and it can actually go both ways I've found. So for some artists, it's the whole thing of posting to their page that for some reason they have some kind of stigma around or some kind of mindset issue around. And for other mm-hmm. artists, it's resharing it to their personal profile, which is such a no brainer when you have, you know, four or five, 600 fans for some people, even thousands of fans just wait or not fans, but friends, I guess, just waiting to hear from you. So yeah, yeah. Like, I think people don't want to annoy their friends, but I mean, not everyone sees the posts that you're going to do anyway. Um, most of the time your posts are going to be missed <laughs> just because of the, the newsfeed algorithms and whatnot. And, you know, because people are busy and they may not be logging in every day, although let's be real, most people are. Um, but yeah, they're too scared to annoy their friends. But the thing is, you know, if they don't like it, they can just unfollow you. And most people won't get annoyed if they're genuine friends or, or your family or whatnot. And um, they might even, you know, hopefully they'll be supportive. Well, yeah, and people's threshold, I think, is much higher than most musicians tend to think. Even with emails, like, you could easily send daily emails, and if they're engaging and interesting, people will read them. The only reason that you get a lot of unsubscribes usually is because you haven't said anything in a long time, and then people forget they're on a list, and then they go, oh, um, I'm going to opt out of this. It's like you actually have to send more emails to make sure you keep your fan base engaged. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, definitely. Yeah, so I can see the same thing on social media, which isn't to say, you know, jump on Twitter and tweet 100 times a day and annoy people. Like, that's not <laughs> that's not the point. As long as you're adding value and, you know, you've got high-quality content, you're not just posting grainy photos of you in the dark. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and overall, the threshold is, is fairly high. I'm going to yeah. pr- probably transition away from the subject of social media here pretty quickly but one more thing i do think is important to ask and get your perspective on is how important is social media for musicians very very important Mm. and it's almost a necessary evil because i mean i grew up as a teenager i was i mean (laughs) the 80s was before my time but i was really really into 80s rock and 80s metal Mm. and so growing up yes oh my gosh i'm sure (laughs) we can talk all day about that um 
Yeah, and as I sit here, I'm looking at my stack of I've got 20 autobiographies sitting next to me that I just, you know, they just inspire me as soon as I look at them. But um, I mean, we, you know, growing up, and I know a lot of my um, my peers and bands feel the same. These were our role models. Um, we, you know, all the autobiographies started coming out when I was in high school, and so these people were who I was looking to in order to, um, you know, sort of figure out how to do this music thing. But the problem is it's, that was in a different time and playing live was the main way to get discovered. Um, the real problem is in Australia in particular, we only have 20 million people and wow. we have a landscape as big as America. So our cities, in order to get – we've got small towns, of course, all over the place – but we have um, a 10-hour drive between all our major cities. So that's from Sydney to Melbourne, from Melbourne to Adelaide, which is to the west, and from Sydney north to Brisbane. Um, they're all 10 hours or more um, to drive, so it's just not feasible for us to tour. And a lot of bands, and I'm the first to admit my old band made every single mistake <laughs> that could possibly be made, um, but a lot of bands spend so much time and money touring and driving 10 hours, but... You know, this is in you know in America and in Europe, it's a lot easier to just drive around and tour. But in Australia, it's just it can be devastating because you drive ten hours and then you turn up and there's three people there because you haven't marketed properly. Yeah. And so, we really need to think of more um, efficient ways <laughs> um, about working smarter, not harder, necessarily, um, in order to um, attract an audience and build an audience. And then, of course. You know, touring is the funnest thing in the world, but social media is extremely valuable and it's so relatively cheap, um, at least at the moment. Um, it's a cheap way of marketing. And I know people get annoyed paying for Facebook ads and everything, but it's it's still not that bad um, in comparison to doing like a big postering campaign or something. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very important. Yeah, and I think in a way, I mean, artists are not going to want to hear this, but I think Facebook's actually done us a favor. We can reach way more people with ads and only a little bit of ad spend more so than you could reach with organic reach before, even though organic reach was pretty good when Facebook was kind of in the early days when artists were beginning to put their pages up. But yeah, I can see the annoyance with having to, to pay for that extra exposure that maybe they would have gotten probably not the same numbers, but you know, they would have gotten for free before. Yeah, it's just one of those things. We just have to roll with it. It's not in our control, so we just have to adapt. Yeah. And, I mean, what you mentioned about Australia, it's the same thing in Canada for sure. We're talking 36 million people and one of the biggest countries in the world. So, yeah, there are artists that uh, still are ambitious and will take to the entire country and try to tour from coast to coast. It is a bit of a challenge. I think you know, many of the major cities are clustered in the cent central south Canada. So in that sense, you can kind of drive a straight line and, and reach a lot of them. But beyond that, there's no there's no geographical advantage here. Yeah. And I like what you said about yeah. working smarter, not harder. So you, you see social media as being a tool that allows you to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if we can reach the same and if we can reach more people than what we would by driving to another city 10 hours away and playing um, with, you know, without having to worry about the logistics of taking time off work and 
Um, if we can reach people in other countries, I mean, why not? We don't have to wait for record labels or touring companies anymore. We can just go ahead and reach those people. Oh, yeah, that's a huge point. And if you do wait for record labels and the opportunity to be signed, I mean, even then you're going to be signing away a good chunk of your revenue. These days, I would say 90, 90 to 95% up is standard. If you have a really great deal, then 85 you know, 85, 84% is what you're signing away. So yeah, it's crazy. It is. Uh, so here's a high level question. Why did you start your business as an artist coach and what has your experience been like so far? Um, so I started because I was sick of watching my peers and people that I thought were extremely gifted, uh, give up on their musical dreams too early. Hmm. So that's basically, um, the main reason in a nutshell, um, and it's something that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, I went to music college with, with a bunch of amazing, amazing musicians and they all quit before they even reached their mid twenties because they felt they were too old or they were getting too frustrated or whatever. And I mean, you know, it might not have been for them. Um, but I just thought it was such a shame. So I also started, um, over the past few years getting, um, lots of questions in my social media inboxes from bands I knew and bands I didn't know in the scene, um, just asking, you know, for advice and social media questions and just general sort of questions about direction. And then um, obviously I was, you know, really, really enjoyed talking about it. And, you know, I love inspiring people. That's what I always hope to do with my music. Um, and I thought, damn, I should be paid for this. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's obviously a need here. And, um, and the other reason is, um, I was also looking for a career path that would sustain me if my band was to be touring. Um, so, I mean, the main reason is um, is for those reasons that I mentioned previously, um, trying to help the bands, but also um, from a strategic point of view. Um, and, you know, I've always been an entrepreneurial type of person anyway. I wanted to pursue a path that would enable me myself to follow my dreams as well. I think I like that because it's such a pure reason to get into it for sure. And I think that probably <laughs> comes across to your clients and the people you work with as well. You know, I'm wondering if your experience in school was such that you came away knowing a lot of musical skills, but not necessarily any entrepreneurial or marketing skills. Yeah. I mean, the course that I chose did have a little, a little bit of business, but Back when I did it, which was about 10 years ago, um, social media wasn't really a thing. And, um, but it, I mean, it was just beginning, but still none of that was incorporated in the course. And, you yeah. know, our, our business courses were very old school with like 30 page marketing plans and the three P's of business or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and it's just, it just felt like such a disconnect and it just felt so wrong um, for a musician and. I know business is such an important part of, of being a musician because you're an entrepreneur, but like we need to, you know, we need to think outside the box and sort of tailor it to um, a musician's mindset and skill set. It's so true. And it's one of the reasons I exist. I mean, I don't know about yeah. 
the education system in Australia, but certainly in North America, that, that's huge. You know, it might leave you with a lot of compositional skills, sight reading skills and music theory. But beyond that, it's not like you're equipped to now go out in the world and do whatever you want, you know, unless you yeah. you kind of want to join an orchestra or uh, take over a theater operation or something like that. You, you basically on your own to figure it out now. Yes, exactly. And, you know, that, that course took three years and it cost like $45,000 or something wow. like that. Yeah. I mean, in Australia, we're very lucky. We can, um, I don't know if Canada has the same deal, but um, the government actually pays for your schooling. And then um, once you earn over a certain um, salary, um, you actually, it just comes out of your tax. Um, so thankfully, I didn't have to pay that up front, but um, it's still, you know, a hefty um debt to be in i'm not sure if you have anything like that but that sounds that sounds like a great offer actually yeah it is i also know that australia probably has some of the highest taxes of any place in the world though yes yeah it does but um (laughs) i guess it's all worth it okay that's good and i think you know i don't want to go on riff on this for too long but like business plans one of the things i've recently recognized is is the importance of like a one page business map or canvas Mm -hmm. if you will it should all be on one page you should be able to look at it and figure out what you're supposed to do and be in alignment with it constantly if it's a business like business plans don't work anymore you can't just like put together 60 pages it's in a sequential order and go through it note by note to figure out what you're supposed to do it it just doesn't work anymore it's a very old way of thinking and today yeah. you know you can just put yourself get yourself a whiteboard put a bunch of sticky notes on it and say that's my map that's my plan and it should be it should be like that because it's now interconnected rather than being like uh, separate and, and sequential. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I see that you offer a lot of different services through your business. Do you find this overwhelming at times or do you feel like you've got it all organized and under control? Um, all organized. <laughs> That's hopefully. good. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are a lot of different, you know, different, skills, I suppose, and things I can help bands with. Um, but the reason why there's so many is because they're often interconnected. And when you start on one thing, another thing pops up. And um, But I mean, largely what bands mainly want um, when they chat to me is they want, um, you know, they want the skills to uplevel their social media because they find it overwhelming and they're not posting consistently. Um, so that's definitely the first thing that I usually get asked to help with. And the second thing is really mapping the future. So, you know, we're coming to the end of the year. So I've had um, more bands contact me <laughs> than ever before, um, which is really, really cool. Um, but I guess it's that time where everyone's thinking about 2019 and what their plans are. So yes. um, because I've worked in the industry for um, for Heavy Magazine and, you know, been, you know, for the last three years been liaising with record labels and everything, um, it's, it's really cool to be able to share that experience um, and be able to look at a band, not only from a, a musician's point of view, but from an industry perspective. Um, and I really love helping, helping bands set, um, set goals and then map out um, the way they're going to achieve those. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, one of the things that people may not know is that my business isn't really a service-oriented business. I, I mostly build an online business centered on like products and productized services. Yeah. And, uh, but the interesting thing is people still often approach me 
with service-based things. And I do, often do have, you know, a small stable of projects like that on the go. So I do end up building websites and I do end up doing social media and PR and sometimes crowdfunding campaigns. Although I think with crowdfunding campaigns, it's interesting. Like I totally have the ability to help people, but for them to, you know, make money on it with the amount of money they would need to pay me to do it. (laughs) There's, there's, it wouldn't be an amazing return for them. So yeah exactly unless it's under very special circumstances where there's like a third party investor like that doesn't really work um and at the same time like i'm not always looking for new projects in that vein because i'm actually quite busy as is (laughs) so if anybody yeah if anybody's listening going oh you know david must have a lot of time on his hands um we're just gonna give him like a commission-based project like i'm not doing that anymore (laughs) (laughs) i didn't get started yesterday you know what i mean yeah and i love the fact that you've got um you know you've got like ebooks and everything and i'm really really keen to read some of them actually oh yeah um got a whole bunch of a whole bunch of revenue streams happening and um, yeah, eventually what I want to do is, well, I'm actually, um, building a course at the moment. So, I mean, there's only, I mean, I do work full time on top of this. Um, I was freelancing when I first started the business, but I got offered an amazing full-time role, um, which, you know, I felt was going to really help me propel my own business eventually. Um, so I can't take on too many bands, um, even though I love the face-to-face or the, um, over Zoom or Skype or whatever. Um, so yeah, I really want to build courses and, um, sort of teach the things that I'd be teaching face to face, but, um, online and bands can just, um, you know, it'll be a a lower price point as well for them. And, um, yeah, they can still, um, learn those skills, um, but I can hopefully reach more people. That's great. It does take a lot of time and effort, but I find it's definitely worth it. especially in terms of like the credibility and authority boost you get through that. What was the, did you already mention it? What was the full-time role that you took on? It's actually for, um, it's marketing and project management for an interior design company. Oh. Um, but the, he, the guy, which, yeah, isn't a music orientated, but the guy that owns it, he's like this old rocker from the 80s. And it's just such a cool work environment. And I really needed that income boost in order to achieve the goals that I needed to achieve within the business. Um, so I don't see it as necessarily a long-term thing, but... Um, it's definitely a perfect role for me. It's a lot of freedom and, um, yeah, just an amazing work environment. And they do a lot of bars and clubs, um, so which I definitely um, am interested in. So, yeah, it's really cool. Oh, yeah. And I totally get where you're coming from. Like, there can be different goals and different outcomes of starting your own business and getting into entrepreneurship, right? And for some people, that's just getting hired on as, you know, for their dream job. And they would be totally content doing that or having that as an outcome of building a blog or something like that, you know? So if you're in your element doing that, like, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I don't see it as a long-term thing. It is literally just, you know, for now and to support um, what I want to do with the business. But Mm. um, I know it was hard to go from freelancing to working full-time again. And I, you know, before I start work, I'm answering emails and um, I, you know, I'm lucky in in this job and I specifically chose a job where I would have a lot of freedom um, so I can still answer emails and do my own stuff um, in my downtime and then I come home and I'm filming live videos for my Facebook group and it's been crazy the last few weeks but um, I'm really enjoying it. 
Well, that's important too, because I, I can tell you right now, I've had my fair share of side hustles and side gigs and still do quite a bit of ghost writing and content creation for businesses of all kinds, some in the music industry, some not. So I can totally relate to the importance of, of those too. Yeah, definitely. What would you say has been the biggest challenge you've experienced to this point in your business? The biggest challenge for me personally was, I think it was the um, having to overcome my own limiting beliefs. Mm. So up until I started the business um, almost a year ago now, I, you know, obviously was a musician and, um, you know, I'd worked really hard to sort of make a name for myself in um, the heavy music scene here in, here in Australia. And I was working for a music magazine, sure, but um, first and foremost, I was a musician. And then when I realized that I wanted to start this business, it was, okay, so if I'm seen as a businesswoman, is that going to be a contradiction to myself as an artist? And that was really difficult for me. I didn't want to ruin my cred as a singer or as a creative at all. And um, in the end, I just thought, stuff it. Like this is, you know, we're in 2018. Um, this, this is a new era of the music industry. And, um, you know, if I've got these ideas, obviously there's a need for, for this kind of thing. Um, so I'm just going to go for it and it's been fine. <laughs> and what would you say has been your biggest victory? Uh, so I started a Facebook group a couple of weeks ago um, off some advice from a business coach um, that I'm working with. Hmm. And I considered it before, but um, I didn't know if I was ready or, you know, that, you know, people trusted me enough in order to join a, a group that I created. And um, I ended up just creating it. And within two weeks, I'd reached 100 members organically. Yeah. So I invited 15 of, of um, you know, my, my bandmates and people that had, um, had interacted on my um, content I'd produced before. And then from there, it's now grown to 130 in only a couple of weeks. So that's probably been my biggest achievement. Just it's really cements um, that this was, you know, what I'm meant to do and that my message is important. So that's I'm really, really grateful for that. Mm -hmm. I totally get that because we all have our mindset things when it comes to that kind of thing. And for me, it's been delaying and putting off and thinking about putting up this membership site, which I think is really the ultimate direction that I want to go. I want to be able to yep. offer like monthly live calls that people can join in on and start a forum where people can interact and have access to the courses and books and videos and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I haven't got quite gotten there yet. <laughs> Do it. I'm telling you to do it. Okay. <laughs> Would you join? Yeah, sure. <laughs> cool. you, go. you got one member. There we go. One member. Fantastic. <laughs> I have to figure out a good price point. What would you say is fair? Uh, the membership group I'm a part of, the business group, um, is 33 US dollars. Quite affordable. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I know that's going to jump up um, perhaps in the second round. I think she's, she's thinking, but... You know, 30, 33 American is, you know, people spend more on Uber Eats. <laughs> yes. And I can tell you I've gotten so, so much value out of this membership group and I've only been a part of it for two months. Hmm. And um, to me it's worth it, but it's also, um, yeah, it's also quite affordable for me and um, I think that's probably a good price point. Got it. So somewhere around there is a good starting point. Cool. Yeah. But, I mean, it's up to you how much content you're putting out and whatnot. So. Of course, yeah. And 
do you consider yourself an av- avid content consumer? Are there any books you've read or other resources that have had an impact on you? Yeah, I'm a fiend for audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I have, have had an Audible dis- um, subscription for about a year now, and it's all like business and self-help. <laughs> I love it. Um, but one book that I've read re- um, recently, I've actually read it a couple of times, is um, uh, by Ari Herstand, um, Making yes. It in the music, music Business. Have you read that one? I've heard amazing things about that book, and it's on my list. But it's so interesting how in the music industry, like, once you start digging, you begin to see that there's just these 600, 800 page tomes written by people like they're, and they're getting rave reviews, right? Whether it's Jesse Cannon or Harry Hurston. So it's a lot of reading as much as I love reading. It's like, holy cow. Yeah. Well, you need to get on Audible then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess when so. I'm driving, yeah. When I'm driving to work or when I'm driving around, it's just so easy just to put that on. And, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, that, that book was amazing. Um, you know, there's a couple of um, podcasts. Obviously, your podcast is um, super valuable. And um, Thank you. You know, there's a guy called um, Rodney Holder here in Australia, but he stopped putting out content. And it's really annoying because he um, had some amazing interviews with, um, you know, a- Australian music industry professionals and also from around the world. Mm. And um, the, the, the level of um, the level of information that I was getting from his interviews, because he was someone that was not afraid to ask the hard questions. He would literally ask someone how much they make in order to get like, you know, he really wanted to um, help carve a path for aspiring um, people that wanted to work in the music industry to have all the information, what they can expect. And um, yeah, I just found his podcast really good. But I mean, there's a hundred episodes or something that people can go back and listen to. It's called Rodney Holder, Mm. Music Business Facts. That's awesome. It sort of sounds like the Andrew Warner of the music industry. If people don't know, like he has a podcast called Mixer G. It's massive, right? He's been doing this. I don't know. There's like thousands of episodes at this point. I think 1,600 or more. So, oh, wow. yeah, he's he's definitely that guy that will, you know, call people on their BS if they don't have their numbers in order. Or if it sounds like they're kind of fudging things, he will definitely dig deep into your business if you're ever on that show. <laughs> that that sounds so good i'm gonna look him up yeah no mixer g is is cool very cool podcast well thank you for your time and your generosity monica is there anything else i should have asked no i think that's pretty much it i mean um yeah i think we've we've covered the basics (laughs) (laughs) fantastic uh and where can people check out your website yeah so you can just go to monicastrut.com um, otherwise you can join my new Facebook group. It's called music marketing and mindset for heavy bands and musicians. Um, so, uh, it, that is mainly aimed towards rock and metal and punk, but, um, it's actually applicable to anyone that plays real instruments. But I mean, if you're an EDM artist, probably not for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, head to monicastrut.com. I would absolutely love if you followed me on Instagram, it's just at Monica Strut. And, um, yeah, I love chatting with, with, um, with everyone. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, David. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Me too. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast.